Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. Hey folks, Lane here, and this is your rich uncle. We're going to be breaking down this video how he, this dude spent his entire JP Morgan investment banking salary and bonus. So here we go. I want to interject with some commentary. Some people think that if you're an investment banker, you're on the roads to riches and you'll soon be partying it up with models and bottles. Well, okay, I don't really know if anyone thinks that these days, but I did find this meme that I thought was just super accurate because I was building a ton of Excel models when I was in banking and drinking water all the time to stay hydrated and keep myself awake. Anyhow, today will be a fun video about how much I made as an investment banker and what I spent all that money on. All right, so, you know, this is kind of your typical W-2 worker dude making, you know, low six-figure salary. Um, you know, this is kind of why we made Simple Passive Cash Flow on this Rich Uncle channel was I saw these really hardworking folks like this one dude here. And the whole system is kind of engineered to keep hardworking middle class people. And yeah, middle class are the guys making 50 grand to 200, $250,000, maybe even 300, $300,000 a year. Right? That's the working middle class that, in my opinion, is shrinking. Let's first discuss my pre-tax and post-tax income. Just as a bit of background, I worked in the JP Morgan San Francisco Healthcare Group for a little less than three years from 2015 to 2018. Okay, but jumping straight into the numbers, there are two components to your income as a banker, and that is your annual salary and your bonus. And for me, in my second year, I was making an $85,000 salary and earned a $70,000 bonus, bringing my total pre-tax income to $155,000. The salary is the same across all analysts in the class, but your bonus is really dependent on your performance. And quite honestly, it really depends on your relationships with your associates, VPs, and directors. Or in other words, how much you kiss ass. I had a few coworkers who I thought were really great analysts, but they didn't get the ratings that I thought that they deserved because their relationships with the team were not as strong. At JP Morgan, you're ranked from a scale of one to five basically, but they call the ratings N, M minus, M, M plus, and E. And if I remember correctly, the N stands for needs improvement, M stands for meets expectations, and E stands for exceeds expectations. Now, I think most companies have this sort of same um, metric where you know, you're kind of ranking and then they use this to figure out which employees are red circle to go into higher level management positions. Most people aren't thrusted upon those, that red circle. I wasn't myself. I was probably like a meets. Um, and I personally like thought of myself as like maybe uh, does almost does not. And I just didn't see my engineering job as kind of a natural thing that I could kind of do for the rest of my life. In some groups, you can have a lot of analysts and maybe even the majority or a large minority of them receiving the top rating. While in other groups like mine, everyone was graded on a bell curve, which made it pretty tough because we had something like 15 analysts in my class and only something like two received that top bucket rating. Now let's take a break here and let's kind of look at the salary. So it's kind of like a, a little bit more than half is the salary. That's what a lot of people think is the guaranteed portion. And then the bonus, I think it is kind of assumed that you're going to get a good chunk of it. I'm going to assume that the 70 grand is a better than average uh, rating. But, you know, like a low six figures, this isn't much in San Francisco. And we'll kind of get into how we spend this money, which I'm like, man, that's like, I mean, yeah, he hung out with his friends, but yeah, let's continue on here. 
$85,000 divided by 12 is $7,083. So that's how much I was earning pre-tax each month. And I was saving 15% of that into my 401k. So that left me with about $6,000 in taxable income each month. From there, I paid about 25% in taxes. And I know this looks a little bit low given that I made 155,000 during the year, but it's because my annual taxable income was about $6,000 times 12, which is around $72,000, which isn't crazy high. And tax brackets are structured so that you pay increasingly more taxes as your income increases, rather than paying the same rate for your entire salary. There's a lot of different personal finance blogs out there. Um, and a lot of this caters towards like the mentality of the 90, 95% of the people. And I normally would use the uh, term 99.9% of people this doesn't apply to you because in the personal finance world, people are generally good with their money, they're responsible stewards of it. But, you know, I think this is what separates the uh, different world of the, how the wealthy do things. And what we teach here at Rich Uncle, right? The, pre-tax portion here is kind of how much he took home just on the salary portion. And he's following the same old, same old about Dodmo, putting this $1,000 or $1,200 every year into the 401k, which I have a problem with, right? The 401k is kind of your garbage uh, cafeteria of options, as we say here. It's investing for the clueless. And here he's being a good little boy, putting $1,000 or $12,000 a year into that, which leaves him $6,000. Now, what most personal finance bloggers and YouTubers will tell you is, you know, you're sheltering this from taxes. And, you know, that's, if you've got back to my other video, why we don't use for 401ks, you know, that's debunked, right? We want to put this to investments that are actually going to grow and ideally cash flow investments in hard assets, such as rental real estate. Then here's another thing that I, I want to point out that a lot of us, they don't, uh, we don't really follow by or kind of a paradigm shift. Even on my lower net worth clients, um, one nice thing, if you make under a hundred grand a year, you're able to write off up to $25,000 of your past losses to lower your income. And yes, he's a little bit above that. So he's probably in the phase out uh, era, but you know, if he had a low bonus this one year, that would definitely be something that would come into play. Um, because he had a good bonus this year, it's kind of like, it, this is the frustrating thing. Like he did a good job, but he worked himself out of, he phased out of that $25,000 taking out of his HEI, it was less than a hundred grand. And this is just another prime example where this is like the, he's the, the kind of the hardest working person who just phases out of it. So it's really unfortunate, yet he doesn't make bank like a doctor or a dentist or a high, higher um, or middle management, upper management level. Going to my bonus though, this is where the tax man really hurt me. To the government, since I get my bonus paid in one month, it looks like my annual salary is $70,000 times 12, which is $840,000. As a result, the taxes I paid on it was 49%. So the actual figure I was transferred to my bank account from my $70,000 bonus was $34,579. Now that's a little bit of a fallacy. Like people say, well, I don't want that bonus because they're going to tax me at this rate, the 49%. But that's just an arbitrary amount that they tax bonuses. What really happens at the end of the day, um, whether you claimed a lot of um, exceptions on your taxes, which I always kind of recommend. I mean, I've always... I've always, when I had, I figured out which form was the W-4 form, like you can claim how many exceptions you have. 
I've always claimed like 20 just to be kind of a smart ass right there. Uh, so that they take out the very least. People think you're crazy for doing this, right? Like, oh my goodness, you're going to owe a lot of money at the end of the year. You want a refund. And I think, oh, you know, if you want a refund, um, you don't want a refund. Refund is like giving the Uncle Sam IRS an interest cheap loan for the entire year. What you want to be is a good steward of your money, hold the money back, and then pay out the, the IRS at the end of the year when it's time. So going back to this, um, it's really more closer aligned to his 25, or maybe he's in like the little higher tax bracket than this, but this is not true. This is just in the initial part. And I do believe you can kind of go in there and tinker with how much you pay withhold from your taxes. This is not true. But this is like another thing that most people would just watch the video and just nod their head and just like blindly agree with it without thinking or asking questions. Okay, so now that you know what I made, let's talk about what I spent all of it on. Now, first of all, I didn't spend my money month to month as if I was getting a bonus because obviously if I was spending more than I was taking home each month, then I'd have a ton of credit card debt and that's just totally irresponsible. As a result, I'll first be going over my monthly expenses and then I'll let you know how I spent my bonus. So starting with the responsible stuff, my biggest cost of course was rent at $13.75. Whoa, $13.75 in the Bay Area. So I mean, he was gonna explain it in more detail, but basically he lived in a living room with a bunch of buddies and yeah, he's kind of, uh, kind of fooling himself into thinking he liked it because he was with his friends and maybe he's right, but I don't know. if. If you're in your, your 20s, I think that's cool. But the problem I have is there's people in like their 30s, 40s, and 50s that says they're gonna house house hack it, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think this is where it kind of starts to cramp your lifestyle. I was actually living in the living room, so not even a room that had walls with five other friends in a townhome. But anyway, back to my expenses. On average, I spent about $25 a day on food and groceries, which was about $750 a month. As a quick note on this, JP Morgan also covered up to $25 off for dinners if you work past 6 or 7 p.m., something like that. And so Monday through Thursday, I pretty much had each dinner expensed. And on the weekends, if you worked anywhere from, I think it was four to six hours, then each four to six hours you work, then you have another $25 meal that you can expense. So I was saving quite a bit of money on food just because I was kind of working all the time. Oh, that kind of made me shudder there. I mean, I guess that was my 20s when I would just work on the road all the time and I just lived in hotels that my company paid for and I was on, on expenses 100% of the time. I mean, maybe I can say I, I, it was worth it for me because I was putting that money to good work in real estate. But, you know, these guys, unfortunately, they're just putting it their, their money into the 401k nonsense. But I think what's cool here is he's putting his money into crypto, which, you know, it's kind of like an asymmetric risk type of thing. And I think it'll probably go up a lot. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it's not really an investment plan, in my opinion, which, which is, has a business plan. My portion of the apartment utilities and the phone bill I was paying for my family came out to around $300 a month. And I paid for most of my undergraduate degree through scholarships and loans. So paying back the loans was around $200 a month, but sometimes I would pay more of it back. I also used whatever remaining money I had at the time to invest. And back in 2017, I was putting all my extra money into crypto. So another thing, say, you know, he's, this is a pretty frugal kid. And I think this is very, um, common within our group. We have a lot of 
very frugal people is spending less than a thousand dollars on the entertainment budget. Of course, the big thing that I think half of our population is like, what the heck? Is he single? Right? He doesn't have kids. He doesn't have daycare. He doesn't have. Um, he doesn't even have a car, right? I mean, it's different lifestyle in the Bay Area, but you know that's just totally expenses. Let me now go into how I spent my bonus. So if you watched my why I quit investment banking video, you'll know that I quit rather abruptly during my third year to backpack across the world. So I actually spent around $15,000 traveling to 10 or so different countries for about eight months. I also spent around $5,000 or so paying back student loans and then the remaining 15,000 on a clothing brand I worked on for a few years called Aesthetic Studios, which I'll leave a link to in the description below in case you wanna check it out. And this is a little bit of a uh, rich uncle life advice here, guys. So there's two ways about going about doing this. You can either become financially free by following the practices that we do by buying real estate and their hard assets and not investing in the garbage 401k options. And you start to realize by just doing a little bit of math and Excel spreadsheet magic that, you know, you figure out what at what point you're going to hit financial freedom. You can do one of two things. You could either live like kind of a, a semi-YOLO lifestyle, knowing that you have a certain amount of budget where you kind of have a fat entertainment budget because you never know when you're going to die and you're, you're like, all right, well, I'm going to get the financial freedom in 10 years. Well, why don't I just space it out to 15 and have a little more fun along the way? The other way is kind of the way I've done it is I just suck it up for less than 10 years. And then I kind of set myself on this escape velocity where I'm kind of set up after that. So it's it's kind of two different methods. Um, I wouldn't say one is better than the other. Maybe it, you just have to be aware of that these two options are out there and figure out what's best for your own personality. Um, I've kind of worked with clients in the past, um, to see the younger clients, you know, some were lawyers, they got rid of their high paid um, corporate job and opted more for a kind of vagabonding lifestyle for a little bit. And when that gets old, they kind of come back, run the business or go back to the day job and they kind of buckle down. Now that's one way of doing it. Or the other way is just kind of just figuring out what's your good budget, your healthy budget, where you have a healthy entertainment budget. It's up to you guys. But I think the key thing is getting out of this 401k stuff because that ain't got going nowhere. But investing in good stuff first, building the habits, figuring out what your baseline is for this stuff. Today, I don't really budget. I don't need to. I know how much I spend. I don't really buy anything I don't need. And I feel like I can buy whatever I want at this point. Um, but I think it took me like several years of meticulously figuring out what I spent my money on using Mint and kind of looking at all my credit card bills, putting into spreadsheets and figuring out what I spent my money on. And it's it's similar like right now like i'm trying to figure out how to like maybe lose some weight right so you look at like your calorie intake and i hate doing this but you know like doing your food logs figuring out how much calories there your macronutrients i mean it's very tedious and this is the same thing like keeping a budget and kind of backtracking and figuring out how closely you follow that budget the whole purpose is you're not going to do this forever right you go crazy if you do this for several years or more but the whole purpose is maybe in the short period of time, you're gonna learn what it is to stay within your $1,000 or $2,000 entertainment budget every month. So here's the cool thing. Um, so this guy, he left his corporate job and he opted more for an alternative lifestyle, which is why he's doing the YouTube channel, right? I mean, he doesn't know if it's gonna go anywhere. This is little um, shirt brand or fashion brand kind of went bellied up, I think. 
but I think he learned, he's going to learn a lot of uh, skills in that, but you know, entrepreneurship is not for most people. And especially if you're a higher paid professional, it may be better just to kind of stick the course. Uh, that's up to you, right? Do the math on your own. If you can just stick in your corporate job for seven to eight years and get financial freedom, then that may be more the safe path than to kind of take a chance at something else and compete with other people and possibly fail and have to go back to the day job when with some more debt and take 10 to 12 years or 15 years. All right, so before you call me irresponsible for just spending all that money, the $15,000 I spent for traveling was just money I was really gonna save up, but then I decided to travel. And then for Aesthetic Studios, that was more of an investment into the business, but actually that business ended up kind of being a dumpster fire because clothing and fashion is just a really, really tough industry. Okay, so now that you know how much I made and spent, let me tell you about how it all felt. Yeah, because at the end of the day, um, it's all how you felt. And like, I can look back at my 20 when I was very frugal, saving 50 to $100,000 every year, but putting away to real estate. I kind of have a sour taste in my mouth. I mean, it kind of makes me a little grumpy that I did that. And I kind of wasted that time or wasted that precious time where I could have been doing something more fun, although it did set me on the right path. Now, in general, I did have a lot of gratitude for the financial spot I was in. Yeah, so he kind of talks about, I'll summarize it right here. He kind of talks about, you know, going to the corporate job and you know, was a, he, he was lucky to have it. So, well, obviously it wasn't his cup of tea and he seems to be a little more um, kind of entrepreneur minded and spirited and capable than the average bear out there. So, which is why he's doing it. But, you know, like I said, for most people sticking in the, in the corporate job is probably what their best to do um, that's why most people have day jobs and i think that's how why most people um, should stay there basically i didn't really have as bad of a time in banking that i thought i would and i think i was pretty lucky to have a really good banking experience overall at the same time did i feel rich i would say no yeah so what this guy is doing now he's kind of putting money into himself i do this I and mean, i've spent on like almost I probably well over six figures on personal development, mastermind groups, education. And I mean, I've kind of been able to see that return on investment coming back. But at this point, this kid is still kind of in that infancy stage. He doesn't know. And, and quite frankly, most people, they just see that money go to waste. If not, everybody would do it. Everybody should do it, but they shouldn't, in my opinion. Um, but it seems like he has got a good attitude and I think he's going to go places. And, you know, the thing about entrepreneurship is, you know, you may not hit exponential 100x on your investment, what you put into yourself. But I think with some hard work, you usually come out pretty good. But one could argue that maybe he would have done a lot better money-wise if he stuck out from a corporate job. But for, I think the whole point for most people listening, if you guys are in your corporate job, the thing is, like, just do the math, right? If you buy some rentals or do some syndication deals, invest in the right stuff, at some point, it's, it's going to send you on this path to be financially free and not 20, 30, 40 years, but more like maybe seven years. A lot of us is like less than five years or maybe at worst 10 to 12 years if you're only able to save 20 to $30,000 a year. I mean, when I first started investing, I didn't have any money. I had a good salary for my engineering job but 2009 when when i bought my first rental property after saving two years for that and then i bought my next one a couple years later in seattle but then you know i kind of diligently saved my money 
year after year after year. And in 2015, I had 11 rentals. And that was when things really kind of took off for me personally. Uh, this is not a get rich quick thing. It's a get rich surely thing. Invest in good stuff and be prudent with your money. And you find that financial freedom is a lot quicker than most people think out there. But the key is getting outside your comfort zone and investing in things that not everybody else does. But yeah, if you guys have any questions, uh, put into the comments. We always kind of want to help people out. Subscribe to the channel, like the channel, and see you guys next time. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com slash club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.